0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on
2: KMOX. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Always a consummate professional when it comes to the news. And yes, folks... 64, Van de Tower Grove Avenue, five-car wreck. Eww. Boy, oh, boy. It's, just be careful out there. It doesn't matter. Even if the roads are not slick, just pay attention because people are distracted. It is this time of year, not necessarily for distractions necessarily, but you're thinking about 5,000 different things at once. Keep your mind on your driving. And, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving you the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120 with questions, comments, or concerns. And thanks for having me on your show. And you can give the call, we can talk about everything from plant selection, caring for, The ups and downs related to annuals. The lady that called and said her pansies were still in bloom. Actually, we were at Whole Foods yesterday, and they have giant pots of pansies right outside the Whole Foods store there on Brentwood Boulevard, and uh, they were still in bloom too. Your bulbs, have you planted all your spring-flowering bulbs? If not, uh, you're kind of getting on the edge to get them in the ground because they have to get their root system established to be able to push the flowers out. Now, foliage-wise, that's going to be a little bit different. Your edibles... I forget where we were yesterday, but there was somebody had planted some ornamental kale, which is, you know, a big leafy thing. Kale, I'm not real a real fan of, you know, leafy things. I do eat spinach, but not kale necessarily. But they had left the fall, you know, kale, you know, in this bed space, and it had gotten frozen, and man, it was ugly. So, you know, that kind of thing, hmm. Anyway, how about your ground covers, your house plants? Make sure not to overwater your houseplants. Underwater your houseplants is by far the best. Your lawn, your perennials, your roses, your shrubs, your trees, your vines, your water gardens. If you have any questions or concerns or just comments, you want to share some insight. And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider as an option. Greg is producing, and uh, as usual, he's last week he kind of stayed back a little bit and let Cole do the producing. But he was actually training Cole, so that shows you how good Greg is at this producing. And uh, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do what I call a walk and talk, which is a landscape consultation, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and uh, get a call to me, and I can send a, even a gift certificate. And I think somebody called and said that the, I had, you know, they had sent me uh, some information, and they wanted me to, you know, to contact them related to the uh, walk and talk. And I thought I had done that, and maybe there was some, you know, some hassles with the Internet. My computer's acting a little bit funny, so I will, when I get home, try to get in contact with you later on. So what the Walk & Talk does, I share 40-plus years of experience, and it's related to your home landscape, plants, care, and maintenance. Now, a tip of the trials is a special recognition for individual, group, or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 636- 861 3344. The tip of the trial goes out today to Jill. Jill lives on Rosa, which is just about four or five houses down from us. And uh, during the past week, as I keep saying, I live on Christie Boulevard. I don't live on Christie Boulevard, but I live on Christie Park. And so the prevailing winds come out of the southwest and blow the leaves from the park. And this park has a lot of big, mature trees, and the leaves are huge. So Every year this you know last past week on Saturday after the show, I filled up uh, I think it was 11 bags, 50 either 55 gallon or 40 gallon trash bags with leaves that I raked up out of the yard. And so consequently, I took them back and put them in the yard waste dumpster, and it filled the dumpster entirely. And I mean, I was – you know, I didn't get up into the dumpster this time, but I had a snow shovel, and I was beating them down to compact them. Well, anyway, Jill, who is a landscape contractor, lives right down the street from us, four houses down. She took her riding mower out into the park, and she chopped up a bunch of leaves. Now, she did have something – a vacuum that took them up, and she used them for mulch in her yard – But by chopping all these leaves up, it made it so they won't blow. I mean, she did pull up a lot of them and, you know, like I said, use them for mulch. But so a tip of the trowel goes out to Jill, who lives on Rosa... For doing that, because I keep wanting the city to come out and right as all the leaves have fallen, just mow the parks one more time. That's going to reduce the amount of you know raking and yard waste and everything else that us that live along the park. You, a lot of people blow them back out on the street right before the street sweepers come, and they who knows you know it's just totally nuts. So anyway, thanks Jill for chopping those leaves up with your mower and then actually. You know, sucking them up and, you know, have a collection thing and then using them for, uh, you know, landscape compost for your yard. So, Jill on Rosa, a tip of the trial goes out to you. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on
2: KMOX. Yes, folks. I know you're busy with the holidays, Christmas, and Merry Christmas to everyone, or Happy Holidays if you don't happen to celebrate Christmas. There's nothing wrong with that. We all have our own things that we do. You can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. That cut tree that maybe you brought into your home, how long has it been inside? Hopefully you didn't put it where, let's say, the vent from the furnace blows down on it. Is it starting to lose uh, needles already? Ooh, oh, well. Sometimes it's kind of nice when those needles are there. <laughs> Walk across the floor. Ow! I stepped on one. Of them. Anyway, Jane lives in the city of St. Louis. Jane, how are you
0: today?
3: I'm well. Good. Thank you. Uh, Merry Christmas. Same to you. I have a not... I have a non-seasonal question. Okay, we we have a couple of big hydrangea bushes mm-hmm. that for years and years just bloomed like crazy, and I think that maybe a couple of years ago my husband may have gotten over aggressive in pruning them back. Um, and I've heard people have told me that certain types of hydrangeas that they only bloom on new wood versus old old growth, new growth. but our hydrangeas hardly sparsely bloom these days. And I'm wondering if that was a pruning issue and if I kind of just let them go for a couple years, they'll be better or how I can get my blooms back.
2: Well, it may be that situation, you know, that's related to the pruning, but it also may be age. We have to realize that plant material, you know, from a functional aesthetic standpoint, do have a limited life, you know, where they're going to all of a sudden, regardless of how healthy they are and everything else, They may be able to produce foliage and everything, which is fine. But, you know, flower production, really stresses the plants out entirely. And as plants get older, just like people get older, you know, running a marathon, it may be not something they can do. And so consequently, that may be the factor as much as the actual pruning. But I would certainly leave them alone. I wouldn't do any kind of pruning. But, yes, there are some, like the PG hydrangea, that's a spring bloomer. But the ones that have, mm-hmm. let's say, different color flowers, the continuous blooming type, those are summer bloomers into the fall. So there are mm-hmm. two major different types. And the oakleaf hydrangea, that's more or less a summer bloomer, too. So I don't know historically when yours bloomed, but uh, just leave Malone alone and see what happens.
3: Okay, they're summer bloomers, and they might be 10 years old. Oh, so 10 is I not never... that
2: old. I thought you were saying they were old.
3: Okay, I don't, yeah, I didn't know... <laughs> How yeah. old is old? For uh, yeah, like 25 okay. or 30. <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay. Probably more like 10. And are you fertilizing them? No, I've got some of the acid stuff, but doesn't that just say it's going to turn the blooms a different blue? Not necessarily. If you want to change okay. the
2: bloom color, you need to get yeah. aluminum sulfate. So you need to fertilize okay. these things, too. Even if they look healthy, okay. they may not have the right nutrient you know, combination in the okay. soil for them to be able to have the energy to set flower buds.
3: How often would I fertilize them, and when would I start? Uh, basically
2: spring? start, let's say, when the foliage comes out, it's halfway out, so you know how big the leaves are when they're fully mature, half size. Go ahead and fertilize them once, and then every month all the way up until probably, oh, let's say, mid to late August.
3: Okay. And then a s- specific type of fertilizer? You well, if in? you have
2: the acid-based fertilizer, that should be fine.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Very much appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you.
2: Yep, yeah. and yeah, it's kind of frustrating when you have something that you've really enjoyed, and something happens. You don't know exactly what it is. It could be physical. It could be soil wise. It could be lots of different factors. It's a, you know it's a tough world out there, especially here where it's difficult because of our crazy weather to grow things. Anyway, Tom lives in St. Charles. Tom, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Uh, I have two banana plants that I brought in, oh maybe four or five weeks back. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally I cut them back, uh, and they, believe it or not, they keep growing because the room is so bright. I didn't cut them back this year, but I'm noticing. I think I have aphids in one of the plants. How can they, and I only say that because I try to look them up online. They're little bitty black pests of some sort, and they're really. Uh, fuzz Habak on my leaves, especially the new leaves coming up, what can I do to eliminate that?
2: Well, you don't have a whole lot of leaves on your bananas, I'm
1: assuming. No, I don't. Not a whole bunch.
2: I would probably take just simply a wet paper towel, and I'd wipe the bottom and the top of all the leaves off. That should er, eradicate them. And then go to your favorite garden center and get some insecticidal soap, and anytime you see any more of these, let's say, spots showing up, it doesn't sound like aphids, because well, aphids could be black, but usually they're not black. But oh, it could, okay. you know, it who knows what it is. It's a little tough without seeing it. But after you wipe them all off, just you know, watch them. Obviously you're watching them fairly closely. And then you, you can get some insecticidal soap and just spray it onto the you know, onto the leaves, you know, whenever you see some new specks coming up, because the new specks could be related to the fact that when you're wiping, you may not wipe all the eggs off. So the eggs, depending upon what kind of insect this is, could, you know, be there for just uh, three or four days after they've been laid, and they could hatch, or they could lay there for a little bit longer than that.
1: So what will the eggs look like? Because I, I when, when I'm wiping them off, I see like a little, uh, it's almost like a little bit of a piece of dust on there, but it's, it's uh, there's a Massive amount of them, which yeah. I was figuring was the larvae.
2: It could be, well, they don't really have larvae per se. Usually the okay. aphids hatch and they're adults, they come out as adults. Okay. So uh, well, probably you may also, be just seeing dust as a result of being inside. And if you do be. have insect problems, are the leaves really
1: sticky? I don't notice them sticky but they're sure turning brown quickly, especially when the main, the new leaf comes out of the middle of the of the plant. Right. That one is already has you know, they're getting little brown brown spots and stuff on them.
2: Well if they have brown spots that could just be the fact that they're inside. Okay. You know, and the humidity level and everything else is not exactly right. But these little specks I don't you know, that just doesn't sound like you know, really insects. But okay. uh, the reason why I ask about sticky is because when aphids, they have something called a proboscis, which is kind of a needle nose type thing. So they stick the needle nose into the plant, leaf, stem, wherever they're going to be feeding. And when they pull that back out after that particular aphid is full, consequently, it leaves a little dew drop or stickiness. So whenever you have aphids, the leaves or wherever they've been feeding, are st- it's sticky to the touch. And also, you know, also, besides sticky, looks very shiny.
1: Huh, okay. Well, the leaves look not shiny, but they don't feel sticky at yeah. all.
2: Yeah, if they're not sticky, then I say it's probably not. Uh, just try to wipe them off and see what happens.
1: Okay, I appreciate your help very much.
2: Yeah, and again, the new growth, you know, in a circumstance, bringing them inside, it's just a totally different environment. Even though it's warm, it's sunny, and everything else, humidity and all those other factors can make it so when the new leaves are emerging, they could have brown edges, they could have brown spots. You know, even when I worked at the Botanical Garden, my, you know, five years, last year was in the Climatron. Even when, you know, banana leaves would emerge in the Climatron, which is, you know, in theory, the tropics here in St. Louis, uh, they could have some spots on the leaves.
1: Okay. Uh, how about, does it matter if I I did not cut them back this year? Uh, is that a a yay or a nay? Well, it's a personal
2: choice. You don't have to cut them back. It's just usually bananas are so big, even if they're dwarf bananas, the leaves reach out a great distance, and a lot of people just cut them back from the standpoint. They just take too much space. And then as winter goes on, the foliage can get even worse and worse.
1: Yeah. Aesthetically. Okay. Um, And and if I wanted to, I guess I could cut these back still, even though they're in the house. Oh, Uh, absolutely. How? Like six, eight inches? Yeah.
2: Cut you know cut them back to just small stumps and realize okay. which you probably already know this but banana sap can stain clothes it can stain furniture it can stain yes. rugs, and those things never those stains never come out
1: yes i remember you saying that a long time ago right <laughs> um okay i think you've answered my questions i sure appreciate it well great
2: thanks tom and mike miller KM Morris garden hotline back after these messages
1: Get ready for the Blues and Canucks tonight. Pre-game skate 830. The buck drops at 9. Chris Kerber and Kelly Chase have all your action. Here and here on your home of the St. Louis Blues. KMOX.
2: Yes, folks. 314-436-7900 4, 4, or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, bulbs. That's one of the easiest things to grow. You buy them. A lot of times they'll come in a more or less a kit with the pot. With it, kind of looks like peat moss that you're growing them in. And a lot of times they don't even have drainage holes in them. So that shows you how tough amaryllis bulbs are. But you can still overwater them and rot them. But that's not the case. But you can just stick them in a you know stick them in this growing medium that they provide for you and uh, start watering them. And probably within maybe eight weeks or so, you should have blooms that are just absolutely huge. Depending upon, you know, how big the bulb was, you can have any place between three, let's say two, three, or four flowers. And the flowers can be various colors, white, red, pink, and uh, some with stripes. And the flowers are going to be about four inches across. So, I mean, they are striking. Then after they finish flowering, you cut the flower stalk off, and then you should start seeing leaves emerge. And then those leaves, just let them grow through the entire summer, you know, through the wintertime, everything else. And then next fall, you cut the leaves off. Just let the amaryllis bulb sit, uh, more or less, in the dark and everything else. Don't water. Don't do anything. And uh, after about uh, eight to ten weeks, then bring it out, start watering again, and you could have it rebloom. I haven't started mine yet, but uh, I'm going to do that within the next couple days because I want. I don't want mine necessarily bloom at Christmas time because there's already so much, let's say, activity visually going on. So I like them to bloom kind of in mid-February. Harry lives in Collinsville. Harry, how are you today? Hello, Harry. Nope. Guess Harry's gone. So now let's go stay in Illinois and go to Campsville and that's where Emerson lives. Hi, Emerson.
1: Hello. I uh always enjoy you and I go sometimes I call in under my other name Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give you I give you a weather report up here. Ah it's 26 degrees and sunshining, and we just got a barely little dusting on the windshield.
2: So the sun is out?
1: Bright, bright sunshine.
2: Wow. I mean, it is heavy-duty gray here.
1: Yeah, 26 degrees out here in in the shade on the north side. (laughs) Anyway, um, comment on clover. First off, I don't know the four-leaf clovers. I didn't think they come on white clover. I think they only come on red clover, don't they? Uh, That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, the other thing on clover, when I'm mowing in the spring, I I hate to even mow. It takes me three hours to mow my yard. Uh, I hate to even mow where the clover is blooming because the bees right. are working on it.
2: Absolutely.
0: And
1: we need the bees and we need the pollination. And I've, you know, that's just a thought that I think I like the clover anyway. I think it's pretty. Uh, but I, I just hate to I will kind of go around the big patches of clover when I'm mowing to give them another couple weeks to let the bees work.
2: Absolutely. It sounds perfect. And, you know, even me from a design, you know, consultation, you know, landscape factor, a lot of times for erosion control and things like that, clover works, I mean, it's ideal. So, I yeah. mean, it's e- fairly easy to get established as long as you buy the right kind of seed. They've been inoculated with, a, you know, something that causes a seed to sprout, to germinate. And then consequently, it is absolutely a great ground cover. So it's tough, durable, it never gets huge. And like you said, it really provides a great oasis for the bees.
1: Well, mine is just normal. It's been years and years, you yeah. know, and it doesn't last all that long whenever you... Let it go a while, and then you decide to mow it. Right, you know, it's you don't see it. The grass will kind of take over. But I, I'm, I think about the bees because I know we're having a situation. Right, you know, with troubles with them, and, and they're. I suppose they're a honeybee. They're smaller, and uh, but we need that for the pollination effects too. I think.
2: Right, that's great. And thanks for your insight. I greatly appreciate it. And uh,
1: well, I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs>
2: yeah, sounds great. Well, thank you very much. I mean, appreciate those kind of comments. Now let's go to Harry from Collinsville. Harry, how are you?
1: Well, I would try this again, Mike. Okay. Uh, uh, thank you for, for uh, your program. And uh, I heard you talk some time ago about a spray for sweet gum uh, tree, uh, those sweet gum Balls on the tree. Right. Uh, What what is that stuff? Is that effective?
2: Uh, It is effective, but the timing is crucial. It was developed in Southern California because they use olive trees for street trees, which is crazy. So they came up with this product. It's called Florel, F-L-O-R-E-L. And you have to spray it when the, the sweet gum trees or when the olive trees are in flower. What it does is interrupt the flowering process. So it prevents the flowers from getting pollinated. So consequently, you don't get the sweet gum balls, or you don't get the olives. But uh, the tree services will offer, but they will not guarantee that you're not going to, you know, have the sweet gums anyway. So it's kind of a roll of the dice in Southern California, where it was developed. Their weather is a little bit more consistent. You know, with sweet gum trees, you get huge trees, and it's hard to tell, you know, flowering wise and everything else. So with the olive trees, they're probably maximum heights. You're looking at maybe 15 to 18 feet, maybe 20 feet. So that's, you know, the difference, but it is available. Again, it's called florel.
1: Florel, okay. Uh, and I was wondering, where, where do these sweet plum trees originate from? Did it, were they native to this?
2: I'm not exactly sure. I think they, are, you know, I'm not sure that they are a native tree. I don't want to say that they were imported because of, you know, their fast growth, because of their nice fall color and everything else. But I kind of think that it's, to me, they're, whenever I walk through parks or anything else, some underneath some of these trees, it's like you're on roller skates. It's unbelievable.
1: Terrible. And I, I've got, <clears throat> excuse me, I have one and I have a bumper crop this year.
2: Yes. That,
1: they're really bad.
2: Right. Yeah, and uh, so, I mean, it's this was a really tough year for a lot of different things, you know, related to that. And Tracy grew up in, you know, Warson Woods, and she grew up in a, you know, her front yard was had a sweet gum tree in it. So that was her job out of three sisters. She was in charge of, you know, sweet gum ball pickup.
1: Oh, my. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was, I'm sorry I have this one, but I'll have to deal with it. Right. But, yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you for taking my call, and... Have a good day.
2: Yeah, you do the very same thing. And some people have gotten so disgusted with them because they didn't realize, you know, whoever planted them, you know, didn't realize how big they were going to get. So then they're dropping the sweet gum balls into the gutters and everything else. So there's been people that have, you know, I've had consultations with that said, well, should I take the tree down? I said, well, it's up to you. But if it's causing you, you know, a super amount of grief. I mean, it makes sense to kind of get rid of the tree. But anyway, thanks, Harry. And now let's go to Linda, who lives in central Illinois. Hi, Linda. Hi. Thank
4: you for your show. Well,
2: thanks for having me on your show.
4: (laughs) Now, the reason I'm calling is I planted hazelnut bushes about three years ago. They're about, well, between two and a half, three foot tall now, but they're not flourishing. What am I doing wrong?
2: Uh, Maybe soil, you know, where you've planted them and everything else. And did you get them bare root or were they in pots? Uh, bare root. So, I mean, getting the root system established, making sure when you install them or planted them that they were, you know, elevated above the, you know, the ground. Did you soak the roots the night before?
4: I did, but, you know, I put them slightly below ground. Ooh. That's where I went wrong.
2: Yes. So, in other words, they want to be, you want the, t- the crown, so, in other words, where the trunk or the stems and the root system meet you want that an inch or 2 above the surrounding ground you don't want to you know let's say a little trough or a little bowl around it because that's too much moisture and it can cause problems for the root systems
4: okay that's what i did what kind of fertilizer do i need to use on them
2: uh, basically just any kind of tree and shrub food but what i would do rather than getting a fertilizer i would mix compost into the ground and let feed the soil then let the soil feed the trees or hazelnuts
4: Okay. How long do I need to wait, I mean, before I give up on them?
2: <laughs> How patient are you? <laughs> Pretty patient. <laughs> well, if you're patient, just let them, you know, see what happens. You may It may turn out to be work out fine, but uh, it doesn't sound like, you know, it's going to be great. But uh, sometimes, you know, I mean, success is wonderful, but sort of the process of working towards success, even if you don't achieve it, can be just as rewarding.
4: I'm gone from fruit trees to nut trees. I put out a couple of the chestnut trees. Wow. And English Carpathian walnuts. Wow. And pecans. So I, it's kind of guessing as I go, but uh I'm uh, just doing something different than the fruit trees that I used to have.
2: Right. That's great. But anything that you plant from a woody standpoint, unless it's like red twig dogwood or bald cypress or things that you know can really handle really wet circumstances, they have to be planted higher than the surrounding ground.
4: Okay. We're so dry, and I've got so much clay here. Right. I, I was afraid they'd dry out, and that's why I put them a little lower. Yeah. I mean,
2: that's fine. It's dry every place, but... Uh, you know mixing you know some compost in the soil where you're planting them that would be great as well and with bare root stuff i generally recommend that people for the first couple years with bare root they get potting mix and plant the bare root plants in a pot and then just drop the pot into a hole in the ground for a couple years to see how well they're going to do and again the top of the pot should be you know higher than the surrounding ground that way you can kind of just see what you can anticipate and expect. And it's a lot easier to take care of the plants when they're in pots than when they're in the ground.
4: Good point, thank you. Certainly,
2: good luck with that, Linda. And uh, yeah, the reason why I came up with that philosophy, a lot of times, you know, you go to production nurseries and things like that and you see, so many things are grown in containers anymore. Now there are some nurseries, production nurseries that grow things in the ground, but it is a long, involved process. It's just much easier to grow in pots, especially black plastic nursery pots, because they warm up, warm potting mix that encourages root growth. So that's really what you want to do. So let's see if we can. Well, should we take a break? Yeah. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
5: Welcome
1: back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, we got about nine minutes or so. If you'd like to give a question, a comment, or a concern, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. At 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richard. 11 o'clock, the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, the Rick Edelman Show. 3 o'clock, the Business of Family Business with Ryan Recker. 4 o'clock, the Camworks Auto Show with Greg Damon and... Uh, four o'clock beyond that there's all kinds of other stuff as well mike lives in chessfield mike how are you today
6: hey mike fine good show as always hey um i came in late on the discussion about clover mm-hmm. uh i happen to be all irish but i find fortive clover everywhere i really? mean I, I i'm you know 73 i can look down everywhere and it's not uh, just red clover i've got i have and I've killed it before. I hate to do it. The white clover and it comes back and it doesn't bother me so much. But, yeah, I find 40 clovers. I've found hundreds. It's, it just happens uh, everywhere around here. Anyway, uh, you talk. My wife came home 44 years ago to our house with a six-foot um, gumball tree, okay? She can tear out the car. I planted that in the front yard. It's beautiful. And it's necessary. Uh, but I'm in the process of one big trash can a day. Right. You know, and that goes on for like three weeks. Also, the acorns this year are horrible, horrible. The deer are just, anyway, acorns are much worse than the gumballs, I guarantee you. <laughs> hey, anyway, thanks, and the, the deer love them, so I have deer over my yard. It's not that big because of the acorns, and the dog's going nuts, you know. <laughs>
2: i think i hear your dog in the background
6: (laughs) well hey no i'm in a car but it's uh, acorns and 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 gumballs it's like hey nature and deer you know home home on the range (laughs) right exactly (laughs) thanks for thanks mike well
2: thank you and thanks for you know listening to the show greatly appreciate yeah acorns are really totally nuts probably the thing i dislike most are walnuts because they got that big husk thing on them, and when they start, you know, they hit the ground, it's green at that time, and then they start turning black. They turn very, very ugly. And then walnuts actually have a root system, and they release this chemical called juglins, and this juglins prevents lots of different plants, not all, but lots of different plants, from being able to grow underneath, let's say, the canopy of a walnut tree. So, yes, there are problems with lots of different trees and stuff, but the one I think is the most problematic is walnut. So thanks, Mike. And now let's go to Ed in West County. Hi, Ed.
7: Hello, Mike. Hi. Hey, am I too late to do anything with about fifty or sixty tulip
2: bulbs? Uh it's really on the edge. If you, you know, if you can get out there, go out there today, you know, or tomorrow. Or on Monday before the temperatures start dropping, get in the, you know where the highs are in the mid twenties and get them in the ground. Make sure it's a well drained you know soil circumstance. Add some compost to it because it's going to help the bulbs. Or your option is to plant them into pots and just you know get a potting mix and just stick them into pots.
7: You mentioned that a couple of months ago, and I've not gotten around to anything yet. Um, would you plant those pots in the ground or leave them in the garage and then bring them out in the spring?
2: Well, I would, depending upon the size of the pots, I have, I have a dozen different pots. I have some that are like 24 inches across, one that's 30 inches across, but then I've started planting some in smaller pots that are only like eight or 10 inches across because I wanted to see, you know, because other people don't necessarily have large pots like I do. So consequently, I have them all in different kinds of pots, but I have them just, I just leave them all out.
7: Do you do you sink them into the ground or let them sit on top of the ground?
2: They're sitting on top of sidewalks. They're sitting on top of patios. I don't sink them into the ground at all.
7: Okay, so if I would do that, I would have a little more time to deal with them. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, that that sounds like the easiest way to go. <laughs> then I can put them where I want them in the springtime.
2: Yeah, but just don't call me back, you know, Ed, and, and say you told <laughs> me to do this, and ah! it well, didn't work.
7: If it, if, if that happens, then I'll have to uh, also back charge you for a round trip flight to uh, <laughs> the Netherlands because that's where they came from. So, <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, thank you, Mike. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, we were in the Netherlands a few years ago and bought some bulbs and actually had them shipped back to us here in St. Louis. Mark lives in Alton. Mark, how are you today?
5: I'm doing fine. Merry Christmas to
3: you. Same to you.
5: Um, I, we had some um, lawn repair done here um, about September. And I had some fescue um, sod planted um, along a slope of a driveway off Mm -hmm. our property. And anyway, um, uh, watered it and everything for the uh, installer's directions and everything it took. And uh, anyway, we're doing leaves here maybe about five weeks ago or whatever. And my wife was out there with the moor I was raking. She had the moor, and she was mulching the leaves into the bagger on the moor. And I tried to make sure to tell her, raise the moor deck up. We had one of those self-propelled walk-behind moors. I said make sure and raise the deck up Well she didn't raise the deck up When she went over the sodded areas And kind of scalped the sod Ooh. Uh, Is that going to be okay Or am I going to have to worry about having that Probably replaced come springtime
2: uh, Is there any grass blades coming up On those spots that were scalped
5: uh, I don't know I haven't looked at it Since she did it I, was,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really I didn't really <laughs> want to go over there and look
5: at it I was just like so i was just like upset i should go i can go home today and check and look if there is it's going to be okay then yes
2: exactly if if there's grass blades coming up then it's recovered if there's not then there's been damage to the crown and those spots will not put out any grass blades at all those will just be bare spots
5: okay all right so next time i put the wife on the rake and i take them more
2: (laughs) exactly
5: okay (laughs) All right, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much. Well, thank you.
2: And George in Sunset Hills, how are you?
5: Hey, my
1: Just because of you, I moved all these plants inside in my garage, unheated garage. Uh, and, then, and, I, and I have a light, a fluorescent light. I don't know if it's a grow light or not that I turn on once a week with it. Anything else I need to be doing trying to keep these plants alive?
2: Uh, Just, you know, water them occasionally. That's about it. But, yeah, make sure this, you know, the grow lights or, you know, have grow light or the fluorescent light fixtures have grow light tubes in them because that's going to release a certain specific, let's say, part of the light spectrum that's to the advantage of the plants. A regular tube of fluorescent is not really to the advantage of the plants.
1: Oh, okay. And So now when you say occasionally, once a week?
2: Yeah, as far as watering? Yeah. I would say probably once, look at the inside of the pot. When this potting mix starts shrinking away, you see a little gap there, then water, rather than putting it on a schedule.
7: Okay, real good. Well, good. Thank you.
2: Well, great. And Ruth and Chessfield, if you could do it very quickly.
7: Yeah. Um, An abundance of nuts is God's way of saying it's going to be a bad winter and to take care of the little squirrels.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. And also, maybe people could eat the nuts, too. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Well, thanks, Ruth. Thanks for that insight. And a great way to end the show. And everybody have a great Christmas, holiday season. You know, do whatever you want. Just, you know, again, when the roads get a little bit nutty like they were this morning, you know, we yes, we're in a panic. We're here, here, here. we got to do this, 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 and this. But just slow down for your own sake, for everybody else's sake, too. And uh, it's just, you know, it's a time of year and still the snow still stuck to the tree branches. So it is absolutely spectacular. There's still some on the ground. The nice thing is the sidewalks and for the streets, for the most part, you know, we're clear, but there were spots that were obviously slippery and icy and things like that. So just be cautious, be careful and just enjoy I mean, so often we're so intense as I see people, you know, whether they're texting, whether they're doing this, whether they're doing that, just stop and take a break and just look out the window and enjoy. And hopefully, like the gentleman said, it was sunny in Campsville. Bring that sun down this way because I want some sun. I love the sun. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. I greatly appreciate everybody for having me on your show, and I will see you next week.
1: Happy Holidays from News Radio 1120
0: KMOX, KMOX HD, KZK HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.